In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant. What, we are glad to see you, hear you, have you hear us today. And we are going to be talking with a guest about a fun new term, it may, something you want to be careful of called job fishing. And I'm so excited that Mark is bringing this topic to us. Mark Anthony Dyson is the voice of job seekers. Mark has his own podcast he's been hosting for quite a while as well. And he is an advocate for job seekers. He teaches job seekers and he also watches the trends in terms of job seeking. So we're going to be talking about some of those trends, including this new term called job fishing. Well, maybe not that new, but I'm guessing most people haven't heard of it, Mark. So thank you so much for bringing this to us. I'm excited to have you here on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes. Excellent. So our first topic, I gave a little uh, preview of our second topic, but our first topic is going to be talking about boomerang employees. Boomerang employees, this term has also been around for a little while, but maybe new to some people. So Mark, tell us a little bit about what boomerang employees is referring to. Boomerang employees are referring to those employees who left more notably during the Great Resignation, although a lot of people have left before that and have come back to their old employer. So they maybe had a couple of employers in between those that employers that they left, but let's say there's interest on behalf of the company or behalf of the job seeker, and they pursue that particular opportunity with that opening. They don't necessarily have to even return to that exact opening we left, but they've returned to the company uh, for a second time. Excellent, excellent. So people are coming back to companies after they've left, and I see some of this happening more now because of inflation and the stock market having a bad impact at the same time. You've got people coming back who retired and now are coming back to companies because of the shifts. So why are companies interested in boomerang employees? Well, there's several reasons they end up coming back and companies are interested. One is that companies really see if somebody's left on a good term and have shown value and they've left because of one reason or another, we can go deep in that end, but we won't right now. But let's say they left under favorable circumstances and that company still sees value in them, then whether the person initiates or whether the company initiates, there's, it's agreed that both still find value in for the person to work for the employer. So the employer have been welcoming back employees probably more so in recent years, especially the last two, there's a great resignation left a lot of vacancies open for a long time. They see that there's benefit for short, shorter training times. The person 
that they know, they trust, and that they like, that they're able to navigate the organization a whole lot easier than teaching somebody new how to navigate that particular area or that company. So there's benefit as far as time and cost, the training, and, you know, just the ease of bringing somebody that's familiar with it and somebody that might be a new hire that they're not as familiar with that don't have the the background and the relationship that person has. Yeah, right. They already know these people. They're comfortable with them. The person knows the company. So as long as they are eligible for rehire, right, they can be a good option for the company. How about the job seeker? Why would job seekers be interested in being a boomerang employee? Well, job seeker has realized one of the reasons. There could be a lot of reasons why people leave. Uh, not everybody left disgruntled during the Great Resignation. And even if somebody did, if they have a good reputation with the company and they had good relationships, then it remains sort of as an option for them anyway because they they were able to climb to a certain degree in their career, which was topped off for whatever reason. They may have gone elsewhere to kind of get more training, get more experience in the area. They may be able to go back at a higher pay rate at uh, a, a position that they desired but didn't qualify before, but because of experience since that time, now they do qualify for that experience. And if the employee really has been intentional throughout their career, they don't just burn bridges like a lot of people tend to portray people who've left. And the idea that companies don't always have to peg somebody as, as you know, a bad hire or they were disloyal like they have in the past, where people want to advance their careers, and that was the only option at that time. So an employee will look at it and say, you know, I really like that company. They just didn't provide for me. Uh, the opportunity I wanted at that time. So they went and got the experience, made the training, maybe the work experience. Now they're able to come back and even be even more valued to that company. Yeah, and as you said, there's so many different reasons that people left. Maybe it was to take care of family members. Maybe it was because they wanted to try something new, but that didn't work out so well. I mean, there's... Um, it's not seen as a negative now to leave. So then it provides opportunity for people to come back. Do you think that um, looking for boomerang opportunities can make a job search easier for people? Or is this a way to maybe shortcut their job search or is it going to be a harder process? It, It depends. A lot of times the people have been in touch with the company, after they left, they have a warm contact, so to speak. So they're able to uh, continue the dialogue that they've had. There are other people who've left and may have not left as favorable, but they've kept an amicable relationship with people within the company that might be able to refer them back to the company. Uh, there, are, there are so many other reasons why that people can really get a hold of it, but people can be really intentional. If they're not burning bridges, if they kept a professional relationship, let's say if it was with the manager or with the, with the team as a whole, 
they have always had worked well together, but there was a feeling in somebody's career, in that person's career, so that they had to go elsewhere. That could be an option uh, for them. It may not be an option for everyone, though, because not everybody leaves amicably. Um, they are able to, well, they have left and they don't want anything to look at it. But, of course, the present situation that we have inflation, both the company and the person could have a change of heart in the way they may feel with each other. It's like dating in a sense, but, uh, you know, maybe not dating as far as the relationship and how close it is, but they were able to get an idea and say, hey, this person really wasn't that bad. And maybe both parties realized that there were some things that they can do and some ways to collaborate that will work for both. Excellent. Yeah, so they might have a network there. The company might have a program, right? There's employers that have programs for Boomerang employees specifically? Yes, I believe Amazon was one of the companies that actually had an onboarding of former employees or employees that had been away for a while because of pregnancies or sickness or took a hiatus or some reason. I don't remember if it was Amazon, but there are some big companies that actually have a formal onboarding program that they use to bring back people to re- Uh, initiate them, so to speak, with the company and the company culture and give them a chance to get back on their feet and perhaps even accelerate the process. Okay. Um, So employees are interested in this. It could be an opportunity for job seekers. What are the first steps that a job seeker would take if they're interested in figuring out if their companies have a program or might be interested in them as a boomerang employee? Well, one of the things I think people have to understand is that you have to control the narrative of everywhere you go and everywhere you leave. If you don't control that narrative, then it gets out of hand and therefore an unspoken uh, narrative could be, you know, if you don't have one or if you haven't controlled it in the way that you should have, then other people will insert them, insert it for you, but not particularly in a favorable manner. But I think you have to really look at uh, and ask yourself some questions of what the experience was uh, with you with the company and how you and your work had, how people experienced your work and how they felt about you, how you treated everyone. Was it great? And did you treat everybody the same way, even under duress? Um, your reputation, do you you give feedback well? Do you take feedback well? Uh, Do you deliver it appropriately? Do you deliver value? Did you do those things while you were with that company? I think if you've done that internal work and you can answer those questions positively, then, of course, everything else is like seeking a job. Are there people you know that can speak up for you, that can refer you back to the company? Or maybe you do have to apply a lot differently to a totally different area. Still, even if you get your foot in the door through your network within the company, that could be a very positive thing and that can go from there. Maybe even that referrer can refer you to people who work in that division that could help onboard you again or at least get the process started in that manner. Mostly it's relationships like you do in seeking a job. Uh, the, uh, depending upon the company's 
uh, attitude towards boomerang will also depend as well. They don't have a lot of boomerangs that have come back. That doesn't mean you get in. That might be an obstacle you'll have to hurdle and try to build a, a, a narrative or try to have even other people help you build a narrative that, yes, it's very valuable to bring you back to the company. But I would start with those things. But everything else is like you would a job, except you can actually can be accelerate the process because they do have a lot of your information. They have your reputation. If it's great reputation, you can probably move even faster and more seamlessly. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad that you brought up this top of boomerang employees, especially, as you said, people that left during the Great Resignation, people that are maybe left to retire and now have to go back, um, get to go back. And so it is a great topic for people. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will talk about the other topic, which is job fishing. So we'll take a short break here on The Career Confidant, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Mark Anthony Dyson, voice of job seekers, about some newer terms that are out in the job-seeking world and how they might apply to you in your job search. So, Mark, we were just talking about boomerang employees and people that have left but might be thinking about going back. And now we're going to transition into talking about job phishing. So job phishing is a term that has come out more recently and kind of applies to something negative. But I did, you know, it's a great topic for people to understand. So what is job phishing? Well, people think of job phishing like cat phishing, but with jobs. You know, scammers who actually ultimately want your private data. So what they do, they become much more sophisticated and they become much more savvier these days. Let's say about seven or eight years ago where people, they would prey upon the older people or people who have been out of a job for a long period of time, and they were able to lure them with money. These particular scammers now are a little bit more sophisticated. They're 
able to set up a fake company, even online, to even make it look like, let's say, moving thin, which that actually happened where someone or someone set up a fake company under LinkedIn, had a LinkedIn page. Now, there are some signs that we can get into to how you can tell if something might be a little fishy, so to speak. But all in all, I think people have to understand that it's very easy these days to set up a scam and to, and for, to have a network of scammers and they have to get a certain population or certain types of people to fall into those scams. Yeah, this is um, happening more and more. How yes. does, you know, how do these people scam their victims? Well, they first convince them that the company is real and that the job is real. Of course, they do that mostly by setting up a job and a company. And it could even be a company that is a, it seems like a real company, but it isn't. It's fake. And they have fake jobs. It could be a company that sets up as a company that already exists, like let's say LinkedIn, that's happened. Or they could set themselves on Microsoft. Because a lot of these companies, large companies, have smaller entities, it's not that hard to set it up as a new division, as a new job, and you should apply for it and put it out there where people can see it. Now, they could even put a fake job ad on any of the platforms, and people actually fall for it and they apply for it. So when people go into these uh, situations, they go through the process just like if it was a job interview. It's not that hard to fake it. In some cases, a job interview, they may do it with two or three people, or they may do it with one person, and they may even tell the person in that one call that we want to hire you right away. And what's actually happened is that people have gotten job fished uh, so much that they are so deeply and so convincedly that they give their two-week notice and they've left job to actually join this fake company. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's very interesting how people are able to set up these fake companies and not get caught right away. But it's interesting after the fact when people have done investigations, the companies know where to be found. Yeah, that and it's, it's so frustrating, isn't it? That a and a job seeker is going to see the job. It looks real. You think, oh my goodness, I've got a a, a fish, right? I've got someone interested, yep. and then it evaporates. Yes, it's the illusion of these ideal jobs, which really, you know, in the career space, we say if it's too good to be true, it probably is, and you need to do the deep work. Unfortunately, a lot of job seekers make themselves vulnerable because they don't do deep work. They just take it at face value. But it looks like LinkedIn, it looks like Microsoft, or it looks like whatever company. But what it looks like and not doing what you need to do to find out what the position is like or even even position exists. Uh, it takes some work, and uh, unfortunately, only a small amount of job seekers overall uh, are willing to do that. Right. So how um, how do job seekers identify the scam? 
Great question. You know, and I should preface this by saying that in, in I said earlier in the past, usually it's a very vulnerable population where with these yacht fish, uh, people who were job fished were actually high-level performers, and they were in tech, and they were in engineering, and they were in, in the healthcare field. And they were job fished because this thing looks so close to the real thing that this person made the company masquerade in something so real that it's hard to tell from the outside. But if you're going to go deep, there are several things you should do. And some of the things that we talked about and you've talked about on your podcast ad nauseum, such as networking within a company looking at a company page, checking out company, even going as far as checking out to see this company has a real incorporation or LLC or a real business entity of some sort. Then you should be looking at names and looking at names of employees to see if looking at going to their profiles. Look at their photos. Some uh, photos are fake. They're stock photos from wherever they come from. The avatars are not real. And even when you dig a little bit deeper and looking for employee pages, if everybody looks like a, a stock photo uh, gallery, then you, you can be really suspicious and start asking more questions. You should research the person on LinkedIn to see if they have a real background that's somewhat verifiable. See if you have uh, connections see what those connections know about that company or about that person. You may have to do some work, but definitely you should be more concerned that, wow, this thing is really up my alley. How did I get a hold of this when I haven't heard, heard from someone in months? You should be skeptical always and be very discerning about who's contacting you and why. Some people have experienced it through their LinkedIn uh, email. Uh, other people have gotten email and random, and when they've gone in to check the emails, there's been misspellings, there's been misinformations, there's a wrong establishment dates of companies that are real. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have happened in, in the recent months. And actually, it's been happening about the past couple of years, but I think it's kicking upward that this is happening more. But job seekers just need to be doing their due diligence and, and looking at uh, what they can do. I wrote articles about, I wrote an article about job fishing. They can find on, uh, it's called Job Fishing 10 Ways to Avoid a Scam. It's on lenta.com and you Google those, uh, Job Fishing 10 Ways to Avoid a Scam, you should be able to find it. And there's a bunch of articles and there's other references that I make as well within the article. Excellent. Yes, very nice. And it just reminds me of the, you know, when it sounds too good to be true, it is. And I'm seeing a lot right now for positions promoted as work from home or remote. That's where I'm seeing a huge amount of scams come up because everybody wants that. And it, they're just so obvious. Like, it, no training needed, no skills required. It, it, that's not like <laughs> that's just not a job, right? So when people right. when it yeah, when it sounds to be too good to be true, it is when people are really um, looking for something and it's right on trend, that's often also a red flag 
yeah. Yes. And I think, too, just to insert a little something, too, real companies have to be very discerning about what they put out there as far as the job description because a lot of companies don't write job descriptions really well. In fact, there have been reports, and I've even heard through my network, that people have gone to jobs thinking it was one thing because of the job description, but it ends up being something else. So that's a form of job fishing, too, though the company's intent isn't to get private data. They're trying to hire, but they end up job fitting. Someone feels like they're job fish because that description that they put out into the world isn't what the job actually is when they land the job and get in there and get started. So I think all of that uh, is, is kind of a double warning is, one, you should look at job descriptions that everybody even is legit. But also I think companies need to even stand out by writing relevant and true job descriptions uh, to hire and to lure talent. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes the job descriptions are not accurate and maybe uh, not intentionally, but also seeing companies post jobs that include the keyword remote so they show up in searches, but then they're not actually remote. You know, maybe it says partially remote or um, I don't know. I've seen some things where people are, yeah, making the job description show up in search, even though it's not really accurate. Yes, it's, it's a lot. And uh, job seekers just need to be able to do that extra work now. No longer can you sit by and be passive, even in when you get a, a possible uh, interview and you've got interviews, you should always keep the search up and always be looking for uh, validation of what they're saying about the position is actually correct. Right. Yeah, I got to do your research, see what the realities are, and um, always be leery of those things that sound too good to be true. And, so, Mark, and, this and is so people. informative. Yeah. Where can people find you? How can they can connect with you? They can connect with me on LinkedIn as, as a first spot. I believe a lot of folks that listen to you are on LinkedIn because of how you talk about LinkedIn. But uh, you can also go to thevoiceofjobseekers.com. They can sign up for the ebook that's there. It's free. It has 125 pages of these, at this particular point is, uh, uh, on the modern job search and just giving tips. That would be very helpful. Excellent. So, Mark Anthony Dyson, so glad that you were able to join us and share this information. We're going to say goodbye to Mark, and we will be back here on The Career Confidant to talk about a few more trending topics. Thank you again, Mark, and we will be right back here on The Career Confidant. Thank you, Marie. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we were talking with Mark Anthony Dyson about some trending topics in the job search world. He was talking about job phishing as well as talking about boomerang employees. So if you're just joining us for some reason, go back and check that out. Awesome conversation with Mark. I wanted to talk about another topic that's not new, but has hit the radar big time recently in an interesting conversation. So we talk sometimes about the hidden job market. And back in the 80s, this term referred to positions that weren't posted somewhere. And it was a high percentage of positions that weren't necessarily posted. They were filled through other means. Well, as posting things and advertising things got easier and more mandatory, that has gone away. And most positions today are posted in some way for reasons that pertain to legal, right? Being able to um, connect and and advertise those positions is required by the HR departments and also because it became easier and cheaper. So I, I do talk about the hidden job market, but that's not the way I've ever defined it. The hidden job market that I've been talking about since 2015 was actually from data that came from a recruiting organization that helps recruiters provide a better talent experience, a better experience for the person that's getting hired candidate experience. And they talked about how people prefer a referral. So if you are referred in, if someone knows you, when you apply to a p- open position or one that's not, cause some positions still aren't listed anywhere, that no matter how the position is made known to you, that once you apply, if someone knows you there, your chance of getting hired is significantly higher, somewhere in the 10 to 20 times higher than someone who isn't referred. And Jerry Jerry Crispin has this data of the companies that he's talked to, you know, how many people do they get? How many people do they interview? And by the way, if, if you're a referral, then you're more likely to get the interview. And if you, if no one knows you, you're less likely to get the interview, right? I mean, this is not rocket science in most organizations, even in government organizations, someone knowing someone gives them an opportunity to get an interview. And I'll tell my little story about that here in a second. So that's how I've always defined the hidden job market. It's not that the jobs aren't posted, 
but it's that the person that actually gets the interview and ultimately obviously has the opportunity to win the job is someone that somebody knows or is familiar with. Now, this just recently took a big splash because JT O'Donnell, who uh, runs a career coaching organization, got featured in BuzzFeed for a TikTok video on the hidden job market. Now, I love JTO, and what she was talking about is great in terms of people making sure that their LinkedIn profile gets found. However, I'm not a fan of the passive approach. Yes, I want you to have a great profile. I want to make sure you'll show up in recruiter search because recruiters are searching for candidates, especially in those positions where they're not getting that many applicants that are qualified. So they might be getting hundreds of applicants, but they're not getting people who are qualified. So they're going out searching for people. Having a great profile is great. However, you all know that my whole purpose for this show is for you to take control of your own career. A great profile and sitting back and waiting for someone to find it is minimal control. I would like you instead to use the tools available to you on social media, LinkedIn, and and all of the other channels, depending on your audience. You can pick channels that will connect with them and start making those connections. If you know you're interested in tech, find that community and start engaging. Whether that's on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Find that community. If they're active on the platform that works for you and get engaged, comment. That's a great place to start. Make those relationships. Get to be known in that circle by communicating with other people on these tools. You can do it worldwide. You can do it in any industry almost that you could think of. It's just finding first where, what industry are you interested in, what target companies, and then finding where those people are active. And yes, you need to have a good profile before you start that. Then start getting active. Start getting into those communities and those conversations because not only is it about getting found, but it's about being known and being known is, it takes more than just a great profile. And that is the hidden job market. It's not just the positions that aren't posted. It's the positions that are that are posted where they have a hard time finding qualified candidates. So they go searching for someone and it's the positions that are posted that even though they get applicants, someone says, hey, I know this person, we should interview them. So this is my story working at a university, state classified roles, as well as admin roles, similar hiring process, a little bit more flexibility in the admin one. But here's what happened in this role. It's very regulated. This is how it works. You score the people, you have to interview everybody in line. However, you can choose how many people to interview. So we had a position open and we got 20, 30 applicants. We scored them all based on their cover letter and their resume in the university environment. Score cover letter, score resume, both very almost equally important to the process. And then go down the line and interview people. We had initially said that we were going to phone interview 10 people. Number 13 
I knew. I had seen her give a presentation on a university campus, and she was great. She did a tour, and sometimes tours can be boring or the guard can be, you know, the tour guide can be hard to hear. But she was funny, she was engaging, and she'd done a great job. So I asked the committee, you know, could we interview down to number 13 instead of just the top 10? Didn't break any rules, right? Because we're still interviewing in order, didn't skip anyone. And we interviewed 13 people, phone interview instead of 10. She wowed everyone just like she had wowed me. And she moved forward in the process. She was one of three or four we brought to campus for an interview. She wowed everyone again, and she got offered the position. And I really enjoyed working with her for the short amount of time that I stayed in that role before I graduated. So even in those types of roles, being known makes a difference. Now, she wasn't known to me because she'd built a relationship. She was known because she'd been active in her professional role doing presentations, being active. This is another way you can build your visibility if you don't want to do it on social media. Get quoted in articles. Write articles. Be on a podcast as a guest. You don't have to start your own podcast. Be on guest. Be on as a guest. Though I got to tell you that if you're going to pitch as a guest, don't send a cold message. I get, I don't know, 10, 15 of them a week. No, I, you know, if I don't know you, you don't offer you any value. It's almost worse to me when you've hired a company to make the pitch. Uh, get connected with me, follow me, compliment the, you know, podcast. Show me that you've really listened. Um, engage in, in comments on social media. Then we build a relationship. I know who you are. I start to see some of your posts and the value that you might add. And it's a no brainer to have you on as a guest. So you can be a guest in articles, you can be quoted, you can be a guest on podcasts, maybe your company has a careers page where you could do something, maybe your industry has an association where you could do a presentation or a paper, get known, be visible. And if you're wanting to make an industry transition, this is even more an opportunity for you because you can find those communities and get engaged in them now even if you're wanting to make a transition. So let's say you're in tech and you want to get out of computer tech and get into medical tech. Find those groups. Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Twitter? Not groups, but, you know, community. Are they on Facebook? There's tons of groups on Facebook that are an unmined gold field for people. And get engaged in the community, even though you aren't in that industry yet. You can build those relationships, you can start those conversations, and you can get known even if you don't necessarily show up in the search results for the organizations that you want to work for. So I know a lot of my career colleagues out there will say, you know, this whole profile optimization and the AI type of search that's going on right now by recruiters, it really leaves out these people who are career transitioning. And you're right, it can. However, they can use these same tools to proactively go out and connect with hiring managers instead of waiting around and being frustrated, perhaps, because they can't optimize their profile. So the hidden job market 
exists. I know a lot of people don't like the term because there's multiple definitions and recruiters get frustrated, understandably, when they see people promoting the fact that jobs aren't posted. And again, that's not how I have ever defined the hidden job market. For me, it's always been about the fact that you don't you're more likely to get hired because you're known regardless of if that position is posted or not. Although I'd say a little, you know, tweak here, I had a colleague that was listening to a conversation by some HR people that now that salaries are becoming required to post the salary with a job, she's seeing some recruiters find is there other ways to advertise the job or to not advertise the job so that they don't have to advertise the salary? Interesting. Um, I, I know that there's challenges with advertising salary, but uh, it, interesting that employers would be thinking about how to get out of listing salary by perhaps not listing the job. I don't think that's very prevalent, but interesting conversation going on there as well. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about one more trend that's happening in the job search space. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about some job search trends. So we talked about boomerang employees, job phishing, which is some job search scams, job listing scams that are coming up and or have always been around but are on the rise. And then we talked about that hidden job market splash that happened last week and what that might really mean and how to take a more proactive approach uh, in addition to making sure your profile shows up in employer search. One of the other trends that I'm seeing right now is this kind of battle on remote versus hybrid and companies being a little bit confused as to where they're headed with that. Um, Job seekers being frustrated with that confusion and also job seekers being a little bit combative on the topic, which probably just doesn't serve anyone well. So I'd like to reframe the job search as a relationship. 
right? It's a relationship that you're entering in with an employer. And we hope that it'll be somewhat long-term. Hopefully, you know, it could last two, three, five years. We're not expecting it to last a decade anymore, but it is a relationship that we're entering into. And when anyone tries to overexert their power at the beginning of a relationship, it's not going to work well. When employers do it by trying to strong arm people into taking low salaries during times when it's the employer's market, that doesn't work because as soon as you can get something more, you do because you not necessarily just because of the salary, but because you feel like you're not valued and that you started off the relationship on a bad foot. Same thing is happening right now on the employee side of it, trying to strong arm employers into making a remote role or making a hybrid role fully remote. You know, I'll only take a remote job and sometimes waiting until the offer is made to have that conversation. And there's a fine line here. If you know you're looking for remote only roles, search that way. There's lists of remote first organizations and be practical about is that type of job that you do, is that a remote only job? Some are, some aren't. And although I'm sure it's changed a little bit, the World Economic Forum had data right at the beginning of the pandemic around, you know, what percentage of jobs can be done remotely. And in the U.S., it was somewhere around 60, 65 percent. And then as you go into more developing countries, it gets lower because the jobs there tend to be more hands-on. Information type jobs can be done more remote. Hands-on type jobs, obviously not. Now, companies have struggled a little bit with how to communicate this in their reviews. And Mark and I were talking about that briefly, that they might put remote in the job description when they're saying you know, occasionally remote or something. Some of them may not be doing it on purpose. I feel like some of them might so that they show up in the search results. Doesn't serve anyone because when you don't start off with clear expectations, you can't, you know, can't move through on a good footing. And when we start off that relationship, it has to be with equal input from both people, but also with equal respect the employer respecting the value the employee brings and the needs that they have and the you know person as a person and the employee your prospective employee really also valuing that the company has a job to do and money to make or they can't keep you employed right it's going to be a short term gig if you strong arm them into something that's not going to work for the business case or that they're not ready for and getting into that relationship on a very clear foot is so important because you do need to know what you're looking for ask those questions be curious but be thoughtful and kind and relationship focused because otherwise it's not going to start off on the right foot. And you might just be surprised at how far the news of your inability to talk in a collegial way travels. 
and may get in your way of finding a position somewhere else, not necessarily because they don't meet your criteria, but because of the manner of your communication. How we communicate matters, how we connect with other people matters, how we share our needs and desires matters. Everyone, you know, understands that this is what you're looking for and how you communicate that does matter. I was talking to a job search expert just recently and they were saying, you know, do you bring that up right away? Do you put it on later? I think if you are remote only and remote only is really the only thing you want, here's a few things to think about. One, make sure that this is a thing in your industry because you are not applying to work remote. Remote is not a job. You are applying to do a job. Does that job fit with remote work? You can find the remote first companies. You can see what types of remote roles they're hiring. You can see lists of the top remote roles. Make sure that first what you're looking at is realistic because otherwise you're just going to be frustrating yourself. And then two, you could put it on your resume. Remote only, remote roles only could be in you know, the heading section could be at the end of your summary. It's not your main selling point. So I wouldn't, you know, put it as a selling point, but it could go in the address section of your resume. It could go at the bottom of your summary. If you really want to put that out there, you could. If it's negotiable or you prefer hybrid or you, you know, are looking for remote roles, but you know that it's not there in your industry quite yet then it might be something that you wait to discuss until after the first interview or at the end of the first interview. It's not to me, and some may disagree, it's not to me a negotiating point. Once someone has offered you the role, if remote has never been discussed, if it's not in the job description and you will only work remote, you have just wasted your time and the employer's time and everyone's likely going to be frustrated. So although some things I will tell people to wait until after they get an offer to negotiate, remote is like a location. So that's like you applying to a job in Florida when you have no intention of moving to Florida and never talking about it until after you get the get the job offer and then saying, oh, by the way, um, I'm expecting you to move me to Florida or I don't want to move to Florida. It's a waste of everyone's time. So it's going to vary depending on the interview process and how clear you are on wanting to be remote. But remember first, remote is not a job. It's a location. You are going to do a job in your remote location. Figure out the job part first. Make sure you match the job. Can sell yourself, communicate your value. Sorry, sell yourself is bad language. Sell your, communicate your value for the role and match up with the role. And then you can worry about the location and is their location flexible? Is it something that you can do where both of you get what you need out of that relationship. We'll be back next week on The Career Confidant. If you have any suggestions or questions, please feel free to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant.
Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.